Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. I hope you're doing well today. We have got a really fun show in store for you as we will be joined by the head football coach for the Charlotte 49ers, Will Healy. Before we get to him, let me ask you this. Do you need health insurance? Well, get quotes for individual health insurance plans at healthmarketgenius.com. That's healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options and let them know that Unpacking It sent you. Also, be sure to check out our website, unpackingit.com. And while you're there, you can sign up to receive the Unpack This email devotional. We send it out Monday through Friday. We take a sports story related to the Bible, and it's, it's designed to encourage and inspire you. And so check that out, unpackingit.com. All right, before we uh, get to the conversation with Coach Will Healy, uh, i got to set you up a little bit as a listener. So he, of course, is at home with his family, and so you'll be able to hear his son talking in the background. So that'll be fun. And you just have to picture, here he is trying to do this interview while he's chasing his, his kid around, or his kid is chasing him around, looking for an iPad, and I think Coach was looking for a place to, to talk where it wasn't quiet. So he's trying to stay focused with the interview. He does a nice job, and he's trying to be a good dad. So we, we respect that. We like that. We embrace it. So hopefully you, you'll embrace that as a listener. And then, so I, I prepare for interviews, you know, when I, when I have guys on the show and, and try to find, you know, some interesting questions to ask or some interesting, you know, connections to make and all that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm researching for this conversation and I realize, I go, oh, wow, he played quarterback at Richmond. So when I was at App State, I was a student there and I did play by play for, I guess I did three seasons on the college radio station. And so I did home games, and so during that time, I did games when App State played against Richmond. So in 2007, App State beat Richmond, went on to win the national championship, and and App State won three championships in a row. My first three years at App. Then my senior year, I'm still the the play-by-play guy, and it's the playoffs, and Richmond comes to town and Richmond beats App State, ends our run, and that was my final call doing play-by-play. And I ended up going the, the talk show route and, and did you know sports radio uh, when I graduated, and so I never did play-by-play anymore other than uh, at church for, uh, for fun, <laughs> uh, for, for uh, an event but, or a service. But So anyway, so that was my last game, and it was a loss against Richmond. And I remember like just getting a kind of emotional or just 
reflecting on all that that was going on with the end of my radio career, the end of the era. That was the Armonte Edwards-led team. And, and so, anyway, we played against Richmond. I didn't play. I broadcast it, but our broadcast. Anyway, I thought that Will Healy was the starting quarterback for Richmond. I, I can't, honestly, I don't remember who, who it was, and, and it was a, a while ago, and I, all I thought about were, were my Mountaineers anyway. But in the interview that you'll hear coming up, I, I assumed that he was the star quarterback he was a captain on the team and so I'll ask him a question you'll hear it and of course it makes me look like I'm unprepared and and a a moron but I guess I guess I was so I'll I'll, I'll, you know take the blame on that one Um, but anyway it it created a a fun conversation and we went back and forth and so stick around for the end of the the interview uh, where I asked him about uh, his time at Richmond and him being a backup ultimately so uh, it's a great conversation. We get into a really unique topic about Christian coaches and you know head coaches in football that that are vocal about their faith and what that means, what that looks like, and and you know the challenges of that. And and I'll share more at the end of the interview too, just to kind of unpack a little bit more. So uh, so again, stick around for that as well. But I know you want to hear from Coach, so let's jump in. Here's Will Healy. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on the Unpacking It podcast is the head football coach for the Charlotte 49ers, Will Healy. During his first season in 2019, he led Charlotte to their first winning season and their first bowl game in school history. Previously, he was the head coach at Austin P, where he dramatically turned around their program. As a quarterback in college, he played at the Air Force and at Richmond, where he won a national championship. He is a husband and a father as well. Will, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well and and continuing to uh, remain hopeful despite everything that's going on uh, all around us. And I'm curious for you, how has everything with this virus affected you personally, your your family, and and even your role as a head coach? Well, obviously, this is something that there's there's no chapter in the dummies got to be a head coach on how to handle coronavirus. So. it is uh, like being a, a husband and a father in a lot of ways. It's a situation that comes comes up that you have no idea how to handle it, and, and you got to go with what your gut thinks is the right thing to do at the time. And uh, fortunately for me, I've, I've surrounded myself with really good people, whether that's my wife or whether that's our, our staff who's able to help me through this and, and make the better judgment. And, and uh, so it's been different, you know, for sure. Obviously, you, you hate to be away from your players and your coaches, but you love being at home with your kids and your wife. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I think that so much of what's going on in all this is everybody, um, I think you can become so pessimistic and, and negative um, that you, you, you understand how important it is to be positive and mm. figure out that, Obviously, in the in the grand scheme of things, the game of football is really not that important. But what you do understand is the game of football is really, really powerful mm. and brings a lot of positivity to a lot of different angles. And the relationships that are involved, I, I think, is something that you realize why you love the profession as much as you do. And so I uh, have loved being at home with my wife and kids. I've, I've been present. I, I think working from home is – 
is a very, very tough concept. Mm. First off, I have tremendous amount of respect for my wife being a stay-at-home mom. That is a real job. That's right. Um, but I think working from home when you have a five-year-old and a one-year-old, um, you don't want to be at home and not be present. Mm. Um, you don't want to neglect them of time. So to me, finding that fine line, finding that really good balance, of, of being at home and spending time with them versus I still got a job to do. Mm. Um, and I got to make sure that we're, we're ahead of the game has been interesting. And I think I've learned something every day. That's awesome. What, what a great perspective. And so, all right, with a five-year-old and a one-year-old, what, what are you doing? What, what are some family activities that have been taking place right now? Well, we brought the Wii back out. Oh, okay. um, we are, we're playing Wii golf. We're playing Wii basketball. We are playing basketball in the driveway. We're playing uh, football in the road. We are, water gun fights uh we are uh we're we're doing some resemblance of school even though uh my wife is a much better school teacher than i am um so we're doing some coloring um we're we're hitting some golf balls but uh it is it's been um he our five-year-old is a wild child and our one-year-old is on the move so uh it's nonstop from from sun up to sundown, and and uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Very very neat to hear, and, and glad you're able to uh, to soak that time in. And and so for you, you know, normally this time of year, spring practices, getting ready for for spring games, and all that kind of thing. And so, what are you practically doing right now as a coach? And and what does it look like to even communicate with players right now? Well, you're doing a lot of Skype and Zoom. Um, you know, and, and making sure that you maintain some eye contact, I think is the, is the biggest portion. Mm. Um, I think you can talk over the phone all you want to, but if, if you don't look them out of eye, I, I think it's a little different. So we are staff meeting, you know, two or three times a week. Uh, we're meeting with our position guys a couple of times a week. Um, and then we are having some team meetings. So uh, we'll do one this week and two next week. And again, those are, much more than than I mean, it's not like we're going to teach them a whole lot of football right now. Yeah, um, it's it's a whole lot more making sure that we keep the culture pieces that have been so important to us growing a program uh, at the forefront of their minds, and and then for them to get a chance to um, to see each other, you know. Mm. Um, and so getting everybody in the team team meeting is is really important. Um, seeing them face to face is extremely important. The other thing about it that we've talked about as a staff is getting them on that, that zoom and stuff like that uh, to see how they're presenting themselves in class. Oh, because, you know, do they have a hood on? Are they slumped down? Are they, you know, are they maintaining eye contact? You you can hear, I've got a a five-year-old right now that's wanting his iPad. So uh, (laughs) buddy, I'm not real sure where it is, but I'm glad you found your headphones. I love you. Uh, I I think that it's, um, it's really important for us to, make sure that the relationships and the culture pieces and all of those types of things stay intact much more than it is for us to install some new offense or defense. And, you know, it's, it's been interesting. And I've learned more about Zoom and Google <laughs> Meet and, and any, any you know, media platform you can, you can imagine, which has the best video quality, where can you share clips the best, uh, but it's done a lot for me just seeing our staff and seeing our players and, trying to bring some resemblance of, of what 
the old norm used to be uh, just by encouraging one another. Wow. Well, so so the relationship piece can still continue, even though it's different. And I know for you now, you know, preparing for what will hopefully be a second year uh, in, in your career at Charlotte. And so you, you mentioned building a culture. And so this is a, an ongoing process. And, and so year one was awesome, and, and you, you took huge steps forward. But, but I'm curious, what or who has impacted kind of your vision and philosophy on what kind of football culture you want to create for Charlotte football? Well, I, I think that uh, this is probably as, as good of an example as any in that if you're not who you are, you're going to have a situation come about as a head coach that you're not going to know how your mentor or your the guy you try to emulate yourself after would handle that current situation. Uh, hmm. I've been really fortunate to play for some really good coaches and some really good men. Uh, a lot of them I've learned a lot from. Um, and some things that I thought I would like to do as a head coach, others that I thought maybe I would do it a little differently. But I think there's uh, positives to, to seeing both sides of that. Uh, Obviously played for uh, Dave Clawson for four years at Richmond, Mike London for a year, um, uh, you know, and and then uh, worked for Rush Huseman, who's actually the head coach at Richmond now for seven years at Chattanooga. Also was able to um, spend some time and develop some relationships. <laughs> Do you hear this? This That's is all right. This is working from home. It's good. This it's is good. working from home. It adds some ambiance. Uh, yes. Uh, so, you know, I love what Dabo does. I love what Mac Brown does. Uh, have become really close with uh, Scott Frost after playing them when I was at Austin and he was mm. at Central Florida. You know, so guys who do it a little differently um, and guys who, I mean, I think as crazy as it sounds, Mac Brown and Dabo Sweeney have a lot of similarities. And, and they, uh, they definitely have, even though there's an age difference, they have the same – priorities that are at the forefront of their program and that's relationships and <laughs> this is this is like challenging right now wow. you know, i got where's my ipad daddy i got wow. you know all that type of stuff going on um, do, do you need to, I, I think if you most, need to you know help him out no no no, no. we're good okay. we're in good shape okay uh but I, I those you know matt brown and Davos sweeney especially regionally are two guys that i've, I've looked up to a lot love dave Cuck, david cuckliffe uh, what he's been able to do uh, again in a different way. Um, but I, um, I think that you've got to be yourself. You got to be confident and comfortable with who you are and, and how you're doing things and, and believe that at the time you're making the decision, it's the right decision to make. You may learn from it and learn next time. Maybe I'll handle it differently, but be you be comfortable with who you are. Don't try to emulate somebody else so much that you become somebody you're not because I think those are the guys who haven't been successful in this profession. Wow. No, that's a, a really interesting perspective and, and appreciate you, uh, you sharing all that. And so for you though, to, to say, all right, I'm going to embrace who I am as a coach and, and who I am. So when, and how did you know that you even wanted to be a football coach and that you had the, the characteristics to, to be able to pursue this? Well, I, I would say when I w became realistic enough to understand I wasn't good enough to keep playing uh, <laughs> because I loved playing the game and then thought back on really what's the what's the closest thing I can have to a locker room where you can continue to play? What's the closest thing that I, as a, you know, kid from Udawah, Tennessee that grew up on the lake with two parents and, and 
unbelievably supportive and went to a private school can have unrealistic uh, and really fantasy world type relationships with guys who don't look like me, talk like me, uh, and and haven't had the same background. But we can tell each other we love them, we care about them, and, and uh, develop unique relationships that don't really go on throughout a lot of the rest of the of the world and mm-hmm. society. Yeah. Um, coaching was it. You know, I mean, I had a bunch of coaches that made tremendous impacts on my life. You know, I, I wanted to be able to do the same for others. You know, again, having a mom and dad that were so present and, and there all the time, being able to knowing that if somebody made that big of an impact on my life with that resource and with that support system, imagine what it would be like somebody with without that. And mm-hmm. so uh, that's why I got into it. I, you hope that even though ultimately at the end of the day, you're going to be graded on wins and losses. Uh, you hope that you keep that at the forefront of your mind and the forefront of your program and but that's and, and then you hire a staff that believes the same way. So the relationships are why I do it. I love it. I love it. Well, the other part of who you are as a, a football coach, of course, is that your, your faith is important to you. And, and so I'm curious just to, to hear a little bit about your journey. What, what are some of the, the key moments or, or turning points in your life that, that really grew or, or even challenged your faith? Well, I, uh, I was fortunate. My mom was a tremendous impact, uh, spiritually for me. And, um, you know, mom and dad were heavily involved in the church. I grew up in the Episcopal church, uh, and then started in third grade, uh, went to a church of Christ school. So Episcopalians with church of Christ, I was definitely the, uh, <laughs> I was definitely the, the outlier, the outlier, the being sprinkled and, and not fully submerged. And for, uh, I mean, all that, all the type of stuff that, uh, drinking wine on Sundays, you know, in church and two stark, uh, stark differences in, in the way that the church is, is, uh, run, but was around some really devout Christian people that, um, that was a priority at mm-hmm. that school and, um, made a tremendous impact on my life. Uh, probably in a lot of ways sheltered me, but in a good way, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going through the same stuff right now with, with our five-year-old, I mean, what's, what's the best thing to do? What's, what's the best place to send them to school? And at that age, hearing, going to chapel, hearing that every single day, um, is, is extremely important. And so keep is creating that foundation is something I was fortunate to have and even added to it by being at, at Boyd Buchanan. I'd say one of the, one of the times that probably stretched me the most with this whole thing was, um, I was at the University of Richmond as a freshman, was able to, I was competing for the starting job, was very devout in my my reading and in my scripture, and was really, to be honest with you, praying every single day to be the starting quarterback at the University of Richmond, Hmm. you know, would go in my locker every day and and be able to, uh, you know, quote the scripture and and steadfast about really getting in the Bible. and again, my my idea was that you know it was it was giving me a better opportunity to do what I wanted for my life. Hmm. Um, and so, get to the end of uh, spring ball and fall camp, going into the first game, uh, Coach calls and calls me into his office and says, "Will, you know, we've gotten bigger. You've gotten bigger, stronger, faster. You know the offense really well. Um, you've had a really good camp, but we're going to go with uh, another guy that I was competing with uh, because we feel like he has the potential." Uh, to take us to where we want to go. And I didn't get it. You know, as a as a 19-year-old, I didn't get the fact that I was 
five nine, 150 pounds, and Levi was six foot four, 220 pounds with a <laughs> laser rocket arm. Uh, but my first instinct was, well, why was I so steadfast? Why why did I read my Bible as much? Why did I pray all the time when I didn't get out of this what I wanted to get out of it? And and at that point in time, for me, as a redshirt freshman in college, uh, my walls kind of came crumbling down, and my persona and the perception that people had of me being a great teammate, being a really good person, being a, a churchgoer, steadfast, all came to the forefront when it didn't go the way that I imagined or it, it didn't work out the way what I felt like I deserved. Mm. Um, and it and it meant a lot. It was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, I wow. say all the time, if I'd have gone and been a four-year starter and an All-American at, at Richmond, I don't know if I would be doing what I'm doing right now because I don't know if I would be uh, unselfish enough to – put others needs in front of mine. I was a selfish guy. I was a fraud. I was, uh, and still am in a lot of ways now. I don't have it figured out. I mean, I, I, every Cardinal sin in the book, I fail, I sin every single day. But I, 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 at that point in time learned that I wasn't as good a teammate or friend as I thought I was much more, it was much more important about how I was, mm. you know, we go through the first game, the starter struggles, I'm hoping that he fails so that I can get in the game. I get in the game. I start out, you know, seven for my first seven collegiate passes. And, you know, we still get beat. But at the end of the game, I'm proud of myself because of how well I played. It was a lot more important that, you know, that I played well versus our team winning the game. And, uh, like, you make plans, God lasts. I mean, this is the ultimate example Mm -hmm. of I wanted to be the starting quarterback at the University of Richmond so that I could go play in the NFL and and be the be the big man on campus. And I think the bigger picture at hand was, I mean, I, I think I have a chance to make a much bigger impact on, you know, 125 guys a year in, in a group of staff that, that, that believes the same way I do than I ever would have by just setting records at Richmond and um, learned a, a lot about myself, how to handle situations with players now that are struggling with playing time, that are struggling with, you know, where's my role, um, and uh, am able to help them through some of those situations. Man, that's a, a great story, and, and so much, so many of us can identify with that at different places in, in life where we feel like we deserve something and feel like we've earned something, and, and wow, we're praying, I want God to do this for me. Well, you, you mentioned, hey, I, I still haven't figured it all out, you know, I still have struggles and all that sort of thing. What is your kind of understanding of, of grace and, and how much do you, uh, I guess, reflect on, you know, just God's love and grace in, in your life? Well, um, I understand grace extremely well, knowing how I fall short on a daily basis and knowing that you still serve a God that loves you and cares about you and uh, will help pick you up over and over again. And and I also understand God's grace and that I've had opportunities to have platforms like this whether it be in FCA or whether it be on podcast or whatever it may be that a guy who does not have it anywhere close to figured out gets a chance to tell his story and tell what he struggles with and, and, and be real and focus on what really matters. Um, even though I'm preaching to myself as, as much sometimes as I am even to the people that are listening. So mm. I, I got a, an opportunity a year ago to go listen to Dabo speak at the, at the FCA event in, in Charlotte. Yeah, I was there. And uh, one of the most impactful 
nights I've ever had. Um, I, a couple of things. One is I realized there's no way in the world I can ever be as good a human human being as Dabo Sweeney. And number two is if he if he ever started a church, it'd be the largest church in the history of the <laughs> United States. Um, but again, I go back to I when I have opportunities like this being humble enough to admit I don't deserve this opportunity, mm. uh, but I've been fortunate enough to get it and I'm going to try to make the most of it. And, uh, I, along with probably a lot of people that are listening, uh, am going through the same struggle and going through the same, you know, there's more to life than money, family, wealth, uh, you know, a job title, fame. And, and I think times like this give you an opportunity to sit back and reflect and, you know, what is something bigger than just can I go to work every day that is uh, is something that never disappears and never shuts down, mm, man? And so, as a as a head coach with you know you've got a platform with with players and coaches and all that kind of thing. What is your kind of strategy? And you mentioned Dabo Sweeney, and we've we've seen how you know outspoken he is about his faith, and and so you know where where you're at in your your own faith journey, and and how do you want to you know communicate? The, the gospel of Jesus to people that are willing to listen, but then also to live that out as a, a leader of a, a football program. How do you kind of navigate that? And, and what have you, you learned as you uh, continue to embrace the role of a head coach? Well, I think a lot of it is, um, and probably a fault of mine, uh, and, and somewhere where I've got to grow is that when you put yourself up on that stage at the FCA event, when you put yourself on a podcast, and you're talking about spirituality and, 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 and Jesus and God and some of these things, then you, you feel like nowadays you're putting yourself on a pedal where everybody's going to find, you know, find pick through all your sins. Mm. Like you, you step out and you say, you know, I believe in Jesus. I believe that, you know, that this is something that needs to be a big part of our program. And, there's always going to be somebody who has a problem with it. And there's always going to be somebody who's going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. you are going to be the one who's going to step out and, and say something like that. So I think at times, especially with handling a group of, of 18 to 23 year old men, you want to make sure you got your ducks in a row before you're going to be the one standing up there preaching your heart out because you don't want to turn them off of Christ. You know, you don't want to be the one who gets up there and says, Hey, this is, you know, this is what I believe. This is, you know, the, the reading them the Bible or going through scripture, going through a devotional, uh, and then they see you fail and they say, "What? Well, this guy's a fraud. This guy's not, you know, so you're teaching them things about God's grace, like we just talked about. You're teaching them things about, listen, you don't have to be perfect to believe this way. Mm. Um, and then you also put some people in front of them who, in my opinion, have it more figured out than I do. You know, <laughs> Ryan Glower has been uh, extremely influential for our program. Uh, we have, you know, we do FCA on, on every Friday night and, and pretty much everybody's there. You know, I mean, I, I, I tell them it's a team meeting and, uh, you know, you obviously politically speaking nowadays can't force that upon anybody, but, um, it's there, you know, and, and we've had some really dynamic speakers. We've been able to take them to church and, and you know, it's just, and then we got some really strong, devout christians on the team that you know a lot of what you go through in college is is kind of managing yourselves and and learning how to become a leader and and you know guys like alex highsmith and guys like tyreek harris and and 
Jeff Gimmel and Ben DeLuca. And I mean, we, we got some guys with some really strong faith that, you know, with Ryan Glower's help uh, and with their own ability to, to stand strong, they've, they've been tremendous assets and, and probably done a lot more for our football team as far as, uh, you know, uh, the, the Christianity side than, than I could ever imagine. Wow, that, that's so cool to hear, and I appreciate you sharing that. And, and Ryan Glower's a buddy of mine, and so so cool to hear uh, just about him and the, the impact FCA can can have in, in a football locker room. And, and I think you, you bring up such a, an interesting point to to think about because you're right. When head coaches do step out and say, "Hey, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's who I am, and that's the the foundation which I do everything: coach, live, husband, father. That's that's my foundation." Then everybody's looking to get you. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Look at he did and the the point for us as christians is yeah we don't have it figured out and 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 so it, to me hearing you the humility to say i'm looking to jesus he was the perfect one it's not me trying to to be righteous in my own strength and own ability so i don't know i guess my encouragement to you is as just a, a fan of of you and, and of football to say yeah we, we can't expect coaches to to be perfect all the time and and that's okay uh, but to be willing to step out and to to at least lead with that as an example, uh, I think is encouraging to hear. So, it, a lot of times we we put coaches or even athletes in tough spots, and it's not it's not fair. Uh, so we're all learning, growing, maturing, and and trying to depend on Jesus even more every day. So anyway, you got me you got me all fired up today. So I, I appreciate no, that's that, that you're you're exactly right, and and I think that I mean our, a big part of our program is there's more to life than football. Yeah. And, and another big part of our program, and and I actually just had the conversation with a player the other day is finding coping mechanisms that are different than what you may have used in the past. Mm. So if you're struggling with something and you've turned to something, why have you done that? And then can we find a substitute that lasts longer? And, and obviously you hope that when you have those conversations, ultimately that the, thing steers all the way around to your faith. Yep. Right. And, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but I, I think that the ultimate there's, it's bigger to the life than football. Um, some of the putting yourselves out there on the line, some of the running into an arena where a hundred thousand people are waiting on you to fail, especially when you're the opposing team is some of the same type of arena that you put yourself on as a Christian, when you stand up and say, this is what I believe and this is who I hope I, I can be, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it prepares them for, for some of that. And, and again, we're fortunate to, to have a group that, uh, and some resources around us that, that can help us um, continue to grow. Yeah, grow, growing together. That uh, iron sharpen iron type of thing. So that's awesome. Well, well, Coach, uh, as I was uh, researching about you, it, I, I realized, okay, you were the starting quarterback at Richmond, when you guys won the national championship, and I was doing play-by-play radio at App State during that playoff run, and my final game on the radio up at App was the game that Richmond beat App State. So you you knocked us out. So congrats on that. I remember your voice. <laughs> How about that? Because we for you know we got beat in 07 up there on the mountain. And That's we right. Back in 08, and we would listen to. All the week during practice, we would listen to the App State fight song, and we would listen to everything that our coaches thought could tick us off enough to want to go beat them, like listen to the fight song <laughs> makes any difference. And and all the highlights of the year before from the radio with the team. So I remember, remember hearing your voice 
And uh, obviously, that's a special place up there on the mountain. Had a lot of success. That 07, 08 era uh, probably changed the face of an entire university. And uh, we're trying to do the same thing at our place, make sure that we as a football program uh, can help an athletic department in a university uh, promote itself, uh, show what we have to offer, and and uh, and make sure that we put our best foot forward where people want to come check us out and uh, out you know try to take a page out of App State's book and uh, what they've been able to continue. Oh, a- absolutely. Well, and and the game this year. I mean, you guys went up to the mountain and, and gave App everything you had. So that was uh, that was a tremendous game for sure. But but thinking back to that Richmond game, I, it's just so cool to to hear you grew up in Chattanooga and then the national championship game while you were the quarterback, the captain at Richmond. You guys win the championship at Chattanooga. I'm, I'm sure you look back fondly on on your career as a player, uh, man, with with such great memories. Yeah, I really do. And um, obviously, there there is one thing you haven't done your research on, and that is I was not the starting quarterback. I was a very, very below average player. I got a chance to be a captain and hold the trophy up to make everybody in the world think I was a starter, but really I was I was number two on the depth chart with two quarterbacks on the depth chart. Oh, so, you, oh uh, so you did, okay, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you may not have even interviewed me if you'd have known how bad of a player I was at that point <laughs> time. But yeah, no, I mean, uh, being able to take the last snaps of the game uh, in my hometown, going through such an emo- uh, emotional roller coaster of of growth and and finding out who you are and and what does the future look like um to be able to do it at home you know and and uh be on that field that that i played a high school game on before and and been to watch so many games as a as a kid growing up was really special and and what made it even better is the group of people i was around that was a special special year Mike London had just taken over for Dave Clawson, who left to be the offensive coordinator at Tennessee. And there's a lot of, you know, what what's going on? How are we going to respond to a new staff? Uh, we start off four and three, have to win out to make the playoffs. And then next thing you know, win a national title and able to knock App State off of a, a, a three-year, you know, three years of being national champions. So a, a lot of fond memories from that year. But But, again, I go back to, you can win as many games as you want. The the thing I remember are the people and the lessons I learned. And uh, so it wasn't just about the, the success on the field. It was about some people that will be there for the rest of my life, people in my wedding, and, and people who have been tremendous impacts and influencers in, in what I've been able to do. That That's awesome. Well, very cool. Yeah, well, I guess the article I uh, I read, you wrote it. So it made it seem like you were the star of the team. So <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. No, I, I know what you're talking about. There, I did a blog. I did a yes, a, a weekly blog. So I was such a bad player that I think they're like, he's got nothing else to do. We'll just <laughs> let him write a blog on what the season's like. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did do that, uh, and it was a unique. It was a really unique relationship between myself and and our starting quarterback. You know, I mean, I, I did not. I can say I did not go a day without trying to take his job. It doesn't mean you don't become you're, – you're, you're not competitive. I mm-hmm. tried to take his job every day. But I went from, as, a, as an immature 18-, 19-year-old, hoping that somebody in front of me failed to hoping that I could push somebody to be great and, meanwhile, be great myself, you know. Um, and so I, I think that um, 
there's different ways to get there, but but ultimately one is uh, a lot more mature than the other. No, it's a great perspective. Well, Coach, really appreciate you coming on today, and uh, man, hope you hope you have fun with your your wife and five year old and one year old while you're home, and and hopefully uh, we'll get all this cleared up so we can have a football season, and and so uh, a lot still up in the air. But uh, wish you the best uh, despite the situation right now, and uh, and and thanks for for being uh, just open about your your faith and and willing to share with us here on on unpacking it today well you got the full gamut on what it's like living at the healy house i'm sure i rambled way too much but i appreciate you letting me do this and uh, again humbled to be able to do it and honored and and no i'm not worthy of doing it but uh uh, would love to have you out sometime when when all this stuff uh, slows down and uh, appreciate your time absolutely We'll, we'll catch up again he's coach will healy joining us here on unpacking it Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Really appreciated that authentic, down-to-earth conversation. And I'll tell you what, this is a challenging time for all of us right now some people are dealing with it much worse than we are as as we continue to hear the you know the the death toll continue to rise which is very concerning and very very sad and tragic and each of us hopefully are trying though to find you know some positives in the midst of all this and for me personally the the conversations that we're having on this podcast you know last week and and now with coach they're awesome like this is great and and guys are a little bit I think more uh, their guards down a little bit and, and just, you know, honest and, and transparent. And, and so it's just, I've just appreciated the, the conversations. And I hope you as a listener, uh, you're, you're enjoying them as well. And if you haven't listened to Donnie Shell or Jeff Kemp or Inky Johnson or Reed Ferguson, go listen to those as well. But my big takeaway from this conversation today is this whole idea that we put Christian coaches and athletes on pedestals and it's not fair it's not fair because these guys are learning and growing and maturing and some of them are deep in their faith or they're deep in their journey a guy like Dabo Sweeney I was at that event that that coach Healy was talking about and and Dabo Sweeney has a deep abiding faith when you listen to it and you see his track record and who he is and and he's lived it out you know for a long time but there are other players and coaches that are new believers and they're you know they're fired up to to follow Jesus but they haven't read the whole bible yet they don't know they don't have all the answers they haven't figured it all out they're still and and ultimately we don't figure it all out but we continue to grow and mature as we spend time with the lord and as we rest in him more and as we study and 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 spend time with other believers and all that kind of thing it all factors into it we have to give these guys grace. And even Dabo, who, who is solid in his faith, he does stupid stuff sometimes. And he'll yell at a player or he'll yell at the ref or he'll you know, say something in a press conference that you just kind of scratch your head and go, eh, it's probably not the best thing to say. But guess what? He's going he's gonna to blow it sometimes. He's going to make mistakes. And, and so we, it doesn't change that he's passionate about the Lord. He really believes in Jesus Jesus has changed his life, and ultimately, Jesus is his Savior. And so that's the same for me, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to screw up as a dad, as a husband, and as a worker, and 
as someone pursuing Jesus. And we have to give each other grace. We have to rest in that grace that Jesus is the perfect one. He's the one that died on the cross for us because we could never earn God's love or favor uh, in our own strength, and our own abilities. We'd always fall short. As Romans 3.23 says, we all fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. But the key is we don't accept that we are, like we don't accept sin where it's, it's okay to sin. No, 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 no. We repent from sin. We say, I agree with you, God. I was wrong. And we confess, yes, I blew it. I was wrong. I need your forgiveness. I rest in your grace and love. And I rest in the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me and I have been forgiven and saved and I will spend eternity with you because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because of anything I did. And so we have to remember that that is the truth, that that is the gospel, and that we have to view each other through that lens. And we want to challenge each other and push each other to continue to obey God and not disregard his word or disregard obedience. Yeah, obedience is part of the, the, the Christian life and being a follower of Jesus, that we want to continue to become more and more like him. And so we don't accept that, uh, oh, I'm just going to sin and woo, woo, woo. That's, that's, that shouldn't be our heart. If our heart has truly been changed by the love and grace of God, then we'll desire to please him, we'll desire to love him in return, and, and we'll allow him to change us from the inside out. And so I say all that, and, and, and just because I, I, I feel for someone like Coach Ely, who he wants to you know, put his faith out there and lead with his faith and come on podcasts like this and share his faith, but he knows that, oh man, then I got to really live up. You know, you want to live up to it. Yeah, you, you do, but sometimes you can never live up to people's, you know, the, the, the perfect standard that we put on athletes and coaches that we expect them to live up to, and it's unrealistic. They're not Jesus. Now, hopefully they're striving to be like Jesus, and they tell their players and, and coaches about how Jesus has changed their own life. And when, they're, when you know, players are going through tough times and you have those conversations, you, you can tell them, hey, here's what God has done in my own life. I encourage you to go read the, the Word. Go seek the Lord and, and see you know, for yourself. You can't, you can't force it down players' throats. And, and I don't think that's the, the heart of most of these coaches anyway. You may have someone here or there, but I, for you know guys that are really true believers, their desire just they they know that God is real and He's changed them, and He knows that He's the solution to what we're all looking for. We're all we're all we're born born with that longing to know God, and it's through Jesus that we're able to know and and be in right relationship with Him because again, what Jesus did on the cross, and so. We love having athletes and coaches on this show. That's what this you know, podcast is about. But we don't bring them on thinking that, oh, well, they've, you know, they, they're living the perfect life. No, they're in it with us. As sports fans who follow Jesus, we're following Jesus. We're seeking him. We want to we know him. We want to become more like him. And when we slip and fall, we repent, we turn to him, and we say, all right, Lord, I need your strength. I blew it. I tried to do it in my own strength today. I said something stupid, I did something stupid, and I need you, and I rest in your grace. And so I hope that that's encouraging to us today, and, and let's, let's cut these guys a break a little bit. We, we want to hold them accountable. We, we can't, it's hard, it's hard. When guys have major falls and it, it felt like, wow, they were a big phony, and they, they used their faith 
you know, as maybe personal gain type of thing. There are stories like that, and I, I get that. I'm, I'm, they've got to answer to the Lord on that one. You know, certain coaches that have, you know, they put themselves out there, but they really maybe weren't truly walking with the Lord. It was more for show or just trying to keep up appearances. But again, that's for any of us. Are we truly being changed from the inside out, and are we truly seeking the Lord, or are we just trying to come across that way? So again, that that's across the board. We can all be guilty of that, and so uh, so I'm getting I'm getting all over the place here, but uh, but hopefully that that is is clear, and uh, we need Jesus, and so let's uh, let's encourage Christian coaches and players that that do want to use their platform to to encourage people and bring God glory and and point to Him. That's what we all want to do. We want to point to Him. Let's uh, let's end it there as we uh, we point to Jesus and we rest in Him and thank Him for who he is and what he's done for us. And so I hope you enjoyed that podcast today. I know it was a lot of fun uh, to talk to Coach and get to know him a little bit. Still bummed that Richmond beat my Mountaineers in the playoffs. But I'm thankful for the three championships that App State got while I was a student there and uh, while I was uh, doing radio. It was fun. So, all right, thanks for listening today. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I have been saved by His grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.